I think I'm going to have a much more um, subconscious flowing of the thoughts down here in Florida. Allows your mind to really relax. It's just so energizing, but relaxing at the same time. I mean, the view, the sun, the skies, the clouds. Ever so often, there's a rainstorm that comes through that just dumps. You can see it. Sometimes you can just walk into it and walk out of it, walk into it and walk out of it. But when it's gone, you're left with just a, a magnificent rainbow. There's really no treescape, landscape, no mountains, hills that block the view. You can see for a, a long way here in Florida. You know something? I noticed this one. I first got here, and I'm in the Orlando area, working out of Oviedo, Florida. If you were looking at 275 that circled Cincinnati, Oviedo would be about like the Milford area to Orlando itself. So I'm not far out of that district. But you're hard-pressed. You really have to work hard at finding a piece of trash here. Unlike, let's say, the Norwood Lateral, Red Bank, East End, Kellogg, Beachmont Avenue. I mean, think about it. Next time you go to a Intersection. Look down. I bet you're going to see one billion cigarette butts. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Honestly. When here, I'm behind a Bob Evans. I'm in a floor decor parking lot. There's a KFC right over here. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to look around. There's one. It's a Mountain Dew bottle. That looks like a straw. That looks like, I'm not sure what that is, like a piece of a styrofoam cup or something. Okay, so my line of sight here, literally, my line of sight is covering, I would say, 100,000 square feet, more, maybe. Now, go to Cherry Grove Plaza and do that. Go to Eastgate and do that. Go to anywhere around Cincinnati and do that. Go to Mason. Go to Indian Hill. I bet there's areas that you, I mean, even those areas probably got it. But you, you know what I'm saying? Why do we do that? One person gets started, boom, another one, another one, another one. I, and I'm not, it's not like I'm, you know, witnessing an army of people that are going around and cleaning up stuff. People just don't litter here. 
I'm not sure if there's just a massive fine for doing that. I bet there is. But man, you know, Florida depends on tourism dollars. Got to make the place look nice, that's for sure. So, But for whatever reason, boom, it surely looks pretty down here. It is amazing. Everything is just really, really tight and right so far. So, but here we are. Uh, This is going into our second week. And uh, I've been surviving out of a, uh, like a 20-foot Coleman camper, uh, which I'll have a lot more to talk about that here momentarily. (laughs) My Lord have mercy. The past decade, I must have just got totally bougied out. I'll be right back. (laughs) Well, we had our Lieutenant Dan moments earlier this morning. Wow. Now, I have to give credit where credit's due. Okay, I really thought that this little camper was just going to topple over. You know, 70, 80 mile an hour sustained winds. Now, we are blocked from the wind. We have a, we have a structure that's uh, next to us, but it's about maybe 10 feet away. So, it actually is creating quite a wind tunnel through there. I'm glad that I, I brought my inflatable kayak inside. I had it land down outside just you know deflated and it was perfect there just blended right in with the environment nobody could would ever guess that's a kayak right there however i'm really glad i pulled that thing inside the trailer because it would have been gone uh just about everything uh trash cans i'm not even sure where that thing's at but uh uh, for the most part, this trailer has been holding its own. It's a little Coleman, like 20 foot, maybe. I mean, I if I had my kayak in this thing, it would take up most of it. It's 14 foot, you know, pro angler. So I'd say that this thing is maybe six feet longer. I'm not sure if you guys can actually hear the wind out there. So the sun has come up. We're starting to see the sunrise, I should say. There's some light. Uh, but we're not at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Nicole is actually whipping back around. If you were looking at the Cincinnati area, for all of my Cincinnati friends, or if you were looking at a, let's say, a timepiece, this little camper, the timepiece being the eye of the hurricane, in this case, Nicole, as she's making her way across the central part of Florida, this little camper is sitting about the one o'clock position in that time piece. So the eye of Nicole is just passing over about right now, but she is coming back around with a ton of water. And that's the problem right now is that they, the ground is so saturated already from the last hurricane, Ian, which just wreaked havoc across the whole state. There's parts of Central Florida that are really uh, still recovering from that water. It has no place to go. So this water is definitely going to be a big, big problem. 
it started raining yesterday, approximately one o'clock in the afternoon, and it has not stopped. It got crazy last night. Uh, it it sounded as if this camper was being sandblasted. Let's just say that. John Craves Kayak Fishing is sponsored by Little Miami Outfitters. They have right now in stock some fantastic rod builds that feature the microwave guide from American Tackle. And that's an award-winning guide. You know, without your guides, that fishing rod is just a stick. Think about it. Check them out at littlemiamioutfitters.com. Well, I just heard a car go by, so I know humanity has not been just blown off the face of the earth, so I think we're okay. Unless that was like Will Smith and his dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the second go around uh, should be uh, okay. I think we're just going to get a big, big amount of rain. I just looked at the radar, and sure enough, boy, that rooster tail is coming back around. And uh, she's going to give us another punch before she heads on out to town. Now, now, Nicole might end up just going out to the golf and picking up some more steam and then kicking up, uh, you know, up toward, I guess, uh, the panhandle of Florida and then up through Georgia and such and then into the eastern uh, coast states. So, um, you know, hold on, folks. You know, she's going to be bringing a lot of water with her. You know what's interesting? I always I, I was just thinking about this last night. I in and out of consciousness really. I don't even know if I slept. Uh I it felt like I did. Uh I would, you know, you'd wake up or come back to a conscious thought and think, wait a minute, was I thinking that or but it was like that throughout the whole night. But I feel pretty rested as we speak right now. But uh so the it's morning, it's light outside. How is it that water can be pulled up out of the ocean, but when it is dropped on us, it's not salt water? It doesn't taste salty. What's going on there? Can we figure that out? I mean, curious. That's just something to think about for me. I mean, I might have missed that in eighth grade Amelia education, and not have been paying attention to that uh, due to probably one of my punk buddies like Crazy Richard or Scooter or Mark Musselman. They were very distracting in school, so I probably missed that part. But what goes on there? How can salt water be picked up and then dropped as just fresh rainwater? Huh. I'm enjoying my coffee right now, Folgers. I'm not sponsored by Folgers. But I probably should be. Speaking of being sponsored, thank you so much, Little Miami Outfitters. I really do appreciate the support. Uh, Saturday, I plan on going out uh, to one of the local uh, lakes here. And in fact, it's really close to a downtown Orlando area. I'll give you a hint. 
I'll let you guys do some research, but it's right next to the Orlando Executive Airport. And the I-4 bridge will go right over the top of it. And if you are into pillar fishing, there's 500 of them to choose from. It's amazing. Now, you can only get a sleek, like, bass boat or a kayak up underneath the, the very thin passage part of that bridge. But up on the other end, closer to the airport... You can get your boat or your kayak that has the, uh, maybe you have a yak crate back there of some sort with your rod sticking straight up like, you know, seven, seven foot two in the air and you have enough clearance down there to actually get up underneath that bridge. But I'm not going to tell you the name, I'll let you do a little research on that. However, it is filled with these hydrilla mats that are just thick, thick. I mean, you go up into the the middle part of this lake and you will just be cooking along. Now, right now, I'm using the iTrek 9 inflatable and I'm really glad that I had that for this particular situation. I will say that the iTrek 9 without the gunnels leaves me down here in the Florida waters, which are very dark right now, they tell me, the locals are telling me, that this is a very clear lake. Normally, you can see for six, seven, eight feet in this lake. It reminds me of uh, Grand Valley back home in Mainville, Ohio, or Indian Hill, or Terrace Park, or Milford area there along the Little Miami River. There's just an absolutely beautiful, crystal clear uh, lake there and if you pay the water bill in that area you get the golden ticket and get, you can enjoy recreational watercraft stuff hanging out there kayaking paddleboard or in this case some pretty good fishing and a great challenge for southwestern Ohio fishermen because we don't normally get water that clear so that can really get you ready for some of the other tournaments around the Midwest and throughout the country where you will be fishing some pretty clear water. You're not just fishing some muddy, you know, Stone Lake Lake or a cloudy cow and, you know, you're actually in some very clear water. Well, normally that's what this particular lake that I have been in for two days now, last weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I went out. I went out Saturday in the morning, stayed out till about one, and that was the first day in. And I was very, uh, I was a little nervous, to be honest with you. Um, the water was not as clear as they said it should be. It was actually very uh, stained, more like a very dark coffee you could see about six inches of clarity, six inches to maybe a foot of clarity. So that left it a little spooky for me because there is alligators in these waters. And uh, I'm not sure, man. There is also grass carp, which remind me of alligators when you spook them. I mean, that's a six foot long 
fish. And when that thing kicks its tail, it's a very strong fish. And, uh, I mean, they take off like alligators. Actually had one blow up. I think it was a grass carp. I hope it was. It might have been an alligator. I don't know. I got a little too close. I like to fish the banks. You know? And plus, I'm on this inflatable kayak that has no gunnels. So, you're, you're rather vulnerable, you know, to alligator attacks. <laughs> oh, my God. I got my treble hook caught one of the really tall cattails. And you're not going to pull these cattails toward you. I think it's more like a real strong reed grass or something. Not necessarily. It's not a uh, southwestern Ohio cattail for sure. Very, very bamboo-like in strength reed. And when you get a treble hook caught in that, you got to go to it. You're not going to be able to pull that out. And so going to it, I'm in the iTrek 9 which has the Mirage Drive, which is absolutely wonderful. But it is just the uh, 90. It's not the 180, meaning I can only go forward. I can't go backwards. So I'm pulling myself into the grass deeper, 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 and deeper go without the option of being able to reverse that thing and be able to pull myself out of there. So that leaves you a little vulnerable to things that might be buried in that. And I was a little apprehensive to just, it's funny how you get. I mean, I get, you may not get like that, but I do. I was on the edge of my seat, you know, thinking about this thing flipping over and me being in the middle. I don't know how deep this is right now. I hope it's just six inches, but it would still scare the hell out of me. But I'm reaching down and trying to get that treble hook out of the reed grass. And uh, whatever that was, it wasn't giving it back. And uh, I had to work at it. I think I'm going to go to Harbor Freight and uh, get me a a pair of needle nose like pliers that are like two foot long. (laughs) Oh my God. Nerve wracking. I'm just seeing like bubbles and, you know, like a couple eyes coming up at me. It's crazy. I had a pair of white gym shoes on, right? And I took a picture, let everybody know that I'm safe. And they all started telling me that these white gym shoes are like gator bait. They love white gym shoes. So so then I took my shoes off and lo and behold, my, my feet were wider than my shoes. Good Lord. So Brandon texted me like 5 a.m., you know, checking in on me, which I appreciate that. And uh, he said, man, you need to be recording a podcast during this. <laughs> and he's right, you know. I mean, he's right. Because if, if all of a sudden I was just blown away like Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, that'd be one hell of a podcast, wouldn't it? I mean, that's action-packed right there. My stuff's pretty mellow. 
but that would be pretty action-packed. You know, you hear some crashing, and, you know, and hear me scream a little bit. <clears throat> I'd get myself together as we were flying and spinning in the air, and we'd land somewhere, you know. You wouldn't have to go far here in the state of Florida. I mean, I bet there's a three or four places that are like the Wizard of Oz, you know, Emerald City. There's probably, there has to be an Emerald City, Florida. So the wind's starting to kick back up pretty good right now. It is 7 o'clock in the morning here in Central Florida. And Nicole's starting to give us a little bit of her back end. It's a back end's got some attitude. She's got some back on her. She's bringing a lot of water up uh, around. I mean, she actually had the ability to stretch. I mean, she was 400 miles wide. Think about that. That's wider than the central part of Florida, for sure. Sure. So she was able to bring up on her top side, the first part that came around. She was able to pick up a lot of that moisture coming out of the Gulf and then bring it back around uh, down into the lower central part of Florida, Tampa area again, you know. Gosh, they can't afford another hit. And then bring it up into Orlando and then dump it here. So, uh, again, we're going to get another big bunch of rain and that's really the issue i mean the wind seems to be holding itself pretty good i think hurricane ian probably probably put the good test on everything you're talking about a good wind assessment well there you go if it's still on the ground after that hurricane then chances are it's going to be pretty good through you know tropical storm winds or if anything gets up around where it has been but uh the sustained winds seem to have died down on that that Usually is the case when, you know, hurricanes hit landfall, they kind of just stall out. Um, but um, we may get some more of that as she comes back around. It does feel like the winds are kicking back up a little bit. The trailer is rocking back and forth uh, a little bit more, actually, than she had been. Uh, but she has her moments. It's not like she's just, we're sitting here for 15 minutes riding it out and just going nuts. It's just every once in a while something happens. Um, it, compared, relatively speaking, it, it almost sounds like it has stopped raining, but I'm going to stick here. Let's let's stick our head out. Can you guys hear that nasty plastic? Can you hear that? That's that nasty plastic they put on a mattress. Are you talking about? It's so gross. Let's see what she looks sounds like outside. And I'm in a camper. It's an Airbnb, by the way. You know, you know that's not mom and dad putting that on there because I pee in the bed. It's gross. Let's look outside the camper here. Well, it's it's mellowed out quite a bit, but it's definitely windy out there. And I see some chairs and garbage cans blowing around. Uh, the car. Let's see. Car is still there. Doesn't look like there is a uh, tree laying on top of it or anything. So I think if we've survived that part of the hurricane, uh, it's we've survived this second part that's coming around. I got to climb back up into the bed here and just chill. <laughs> this is insane. I feel like I'm I'm more like in the captain's quarters on the John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier. 
I mean, the captain had some pretty killer quarters. Now, for a couple ensigns or maybe a lieutenant, JG or something like that, you know, those those guys, there might have been a couple of those guys in a compartment like this, but this is definitely captain's quarters, so... Uh, you know, you just got to make them for what they are. There's probably only 200 and maybe 10 square feet in this thing, you know. But I do have a, uh, I'd say, a full-size mattress here. Uh, I guess twin. I don't even know sure what size this is. It's not a tiny one. It's, you know, it's a pretty good-sized mattress. Not a queen but it is a little short, you know, I'm 5'10", and my, if you're not pulled all the way up into it, and uh, which you got to do some climb, I mean, it, it feels like you have to do a little parkour to get up in this thing, uh, but my feet will hang over the end of it, so if you were six foot one, you're going to have issues in this one right here, this would not be the camper for you if you were six foot one, but if you're under six feet, and and uh, of a medium build, this is not a bad camper for you. Uh, for the folks that are out there on the uh, tournament trails, again, KBF, Hobie Bass Open Series, Hook Bass Masters, Kayak Tournament Series, Catfish Championships, whatever. You know, oh, by the way, let's say good luck to uh, Chuck Earls. And Mike Elsie, who are somewhere, I think, in Spain or Portugal or something at the Kayak World Championship. So, boom. Good luck down there, guys. Uh, the best. I don't even know. What are you guys fishing for down there? Uh, I know they struggled. You're talking about some challenges. Going into, uh, was it Spain? where all of the airports were shut down because the Chinese rocket blew up. They were expecting pieces to just fall all over the that part of the continent. That part of the world was just going to get shrapneled by a Chinese rocket. Um, so they shut down all the plane travel. Mike Elsie and Chuck Earls got caught in the middle of that. And then logistically, their luggage never showed up. Their kayaks never showed up. Showed up, I think, at the last minute, like early in the morning before their first practice day of getting out and getting familiar with the area. I mean, it's been crazy. So hopefully they rebound and really do well. I know Chuck and Mike are certainly two uh, kayak anglers who are very passionate about what they do, so... Best of luck to you guys down there. Meanwhile, here in Central Florida. So what brought me down here was obvious, was was my connection with American Tackle. They offered me, I did not want the sun to go down on this opportunity, but they offered me an opportunity to just come down and join the family. And uh, knowing what I do now of American Tackle and how methodical they are about thinking about their business and the progression of their business and who they involve in their business. I'm very honored that they chose me. Um, it makes me feel very, uh, very good, especially at this age, 
where my whole life I have been blessed by a lot of things. Beautiful children, relationships, baby dolls in my life right now. And it couldn't be any more, I couldn't see it any more magical than what it is. My children are happy. They're they're successful. They're healthy. We have wonderful grandchildren. We have good dogs. We have misbehaving horses. Life is good. And to have that opportunity of being able now at this age where a lot of people are I've been working really hard their whole life to get ready to retire. I feel like I'm just getting ready to live all over again in a whole new, very exciting, fast moving, very uh, challenging um, business and industry that's called fishing. And it's worldwide. It's passionate, it's fun, it's... Well, so, take this. I'm sitting there yesterday, and I would have never... I would have never have seen myself doing this, but now that I've had the opportunity, I can reflect back now on these fishing trade shows that I've been going to, and I've been asked questions. Because you would think that, you know, I have some podcasts, I have, like, I don't know, a couple hundred episodes out there. And, you know, I have, a, I have a few followers out there. You would think that I would know a few things. But I, I, a lot of times I'm scratching my head wondering why you guys actually do you know, follow me. But uh, I know I appreciate that. But I know you're not really learning anything. Um, I, we do learn some things, especially when I'm listening to Brandon or we have guests on the on the podcast or on other parts of my social media. But to me, it's just, it's fun. I'm having a good time with this industry of fishing. I'm having more fun than I ever have. It's just, uh, it's so uh, thrilling to me. It's like uh, teaching a young child a new uh, language or a different language. To them, they they're not tainted or they're not in a very bad habit by speaking a certain language their whole life and then struggling as we do in adults to try to learn a language. So I'm very similar to having a child mind uh, where I am at right now in fishing because it is just nothing I could have ever imagined. So reflecting back on these fishing shows, I would have rod builders like Jeff Bird, for instance, from Little Miami Rods. Jeff's a tremendous rod builder. And thank you, by the way, Jeff, for using the American Tackle microwave products. Really appreciate that. But Jeff would ask me some questions about a rod. And I would not know how to respond because I had not been educated at all 
I was still using rods then that I shouldn't have been using, but it's all I had. I didn't know any better. And I still had not really educated myself on rods, techniques, what to use them for. Should it be a 6'8"? With a fast hip, should it be a 7-2 with a medium? What rod is used for a, for a heavy jig, flipping stick? What rod is used for a finesse worm? I really did not know the answers to that. And it was still very much a new language for me. Well, one of the projects that American Tackle has me doing, and this, this is by far one of the most brilliant ways you can learn a line of blanks. And when I say blanks, the rod that you go and buy at Bass Pro Shop or Cabela's or you order online or you even go to Walmart and you buy one, you look up and you see a $49 rod there pick down oh that's cool 49 bucks that's pretty expensive well it started with what's called a blank all blanks are black basically they are painted if you have a white one they're painted uh for instance you have a pink one it's painted yeah green one it's painted but they all start black and it's just if you can imagine that rod with nothing on it, it doesn't have the cork or it doesn't have the EV grips, it doesn't have the pistol handle, it doesn't have the reel seat, it doesn't have the guides, doesn't have any of the thread, doesn't have any of the artwork, it is just a blank. It doesn't have the butt in, it doesn't have the rod tip. It's just a blank, it has nothing on it. Well, every rod starts out like that. And so each one of these rods, each one of these rod blanks are made for very specific types of presentations when it comes to fishing. I first, about maybe 12 years ago, 11 years ago, I was fishing a lot with a two-piece ultra feather light rod that was an eagle claw it was a fantastic rod to use you could throw a finesse worm a mile because it had such a i mean a fling to it it was just it was made for catching pan fish and having fun basically you couldn't set the hook on a rotten tomato with this thing but I was able to be able to catch bass with this thing out of the pond there at the Rock and Star Ranch now I can say back home at the Rock and Star Ranch which kind of leaves me a little kind of I miss I miss I miss my friends I miss my family I miss the animals you know I miss baby doll Uh, But soon, we'll we'll all be back together. But meanwhile, I was fishing with this type of rod. I didn't know what, when, where. So when a buddy of mine walked up to me and 
teased on me a little bit by saying, man, I'm, I, you can't set the hook on nothing with this little thing. He walks to his truck, comes back with a rod that, compared to that, ultra feather light. I don't even think they make those anymore. This rod that he gave me felt like a tobacco stick. But, wow, could you now feel the actual lure? You could, you could feel it as if it was telegraphing those signals up the line into the tip. And I felt a bite. I saw the line take off. And when I pulled back on the rod, that's when I really discovered what setting the hook meant. It's probably the first time that I realized, wow, rods are different. So I went out and I got a rod just like that. I didn't know what made that rod special, why I could feel that lure. It's as if I was dragging the weight, that bullet weight across the structure in the pond. I could feel everything. I could really feel the bites. I don't know. I don't know anything about that rod. I didn't know it was a glass rod. I didn't know it was a seven foot rod. I didn't know. It was a medium heavy. I didn't know it had a fast tip. I didn't know it had the American Tackle microwave guides on it. I just thought it felt good. So it took me a while to really start to dial in on the different types of rods. I bought rods for this and I bought rods for that thinking that they would work okay. But now, but now, in the first week of working here at American Tackle, they set me down and they say, hey, we have hundreds of different rod blanks and they all do different things, different styles. They're different lengths and they're different diameters. Rod builders will call up often to American Tackle for advice because rod builders from all over the world know that when they call up American Tackle, they're going to get really good advice. These people really know rod building. I'm not even going to pretend like I know rod building like they do. But what I am quickly learning is that when they set me down and said, hey, we want you to take each one of these rod blanks that we have and we want you to measure in two inch increments along the First 30 inches 
of the rod blank, starting at the butt and working up toward the tip. Every two inches, you're going to take a diameter reading. And you're going to mark that down. And I started. And I started. I've got maybe... Oh... 15 hours in this collectively already. I've measured out over 60 different blanks. And each time I pick a new blank up to take it down and put it on the table and to start my measurements. I feel the blank. I hold it. I think about how light it is. I do the little tip test where you lay that tip down on the carpet and you get that, that, see where that bend is, see the action in the rod. Is it a fast load? Is it a slow load? Fast loads, that real quick bend up there to temp. Slow loads where you bring that load down into like the middle of that blank of the rod itself. Fast load's gonna allow you to use those uh, uh, finesse lures a lot more effectively and to hold that hook set a lot more effectively because the rod is really doing a lot of the work for you. A slower load might be something that I want to use here coming up this weekend. And in fact, the little Miami Outfitter bait casting rod that I'm using, the 7.2, it's got a slow load on it. And that will be a perfect rod for me to just plug those very deep 25, 30 foot deep hydrilla mats those big bass and man those big bass everybody had pictures of, of fish they were catching out of this lake and again I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abide by the wishes of the people who told me about this lake even though I think it's kind of silly you guys know me man right I'm back home telling everybody where I'm fishing and showing pictures and stuff while most people are blacking everything out. You know, it's what I'm here to promote fishing. I'm not competing really against anybody yet. And on those, in those events where I will be competing, you know, I mean, if I'm going to be competing at Cowan Lake in July, there's no sense in me marking out the background of Cowan Lake in March, April, or you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going to abide by the wishes of the folks who said, turn me on to this lake, okay? Because I want to be turned on to a whole bunch of other ones. But those hydrilla mats are so thick that I'm going to really need a bigger rod and one that's got a slower load on it that's going to really be able to allow me to plug deep down into those hydrilla mats And if in case you get one of these Florida seven or eight pounders down there, you know how hard it's going to be to pull them out of those hydrilla. And especially on an iTrek 9 inflatable. 
which doesn't give you a lot of leverage like a Hobie 12 or a 14, where you can really get yourself sideways, put your leg up on that H rail, really pull back on the on the gunnel, you know, hold your foot up against that thing. There, you can't do that on a inflatable. So, um, not the most appropriate kayak to be using where where I am at. Uh, again, I feel a little bit more uh, vulnerable. However, I would not be able to get a heavier kayak like the Pro Angler 12, Pro, Pro Angler 14, or the big Jacksons, or you know, any one of the bigger, heavier, I don't think the heavier wilderness system and the prop drive, you couldn't get a prop drive down in this stuff. You're not going nowhere. But with the Mirage drive and the lightness of the inflatable, you're actually able to skim right over the top of that hydrilla and you are most likely able to fish that area, which like nobody else, which to me, as reason, leaves it very unpressured area. So Saturday, I'm going back with a little bit different change of plan, a little bit different setup, and I'm really, really going to concentrate on two things. The pillars underneath the bridge, which I was very successful with the swim baits, the smaller swim baits there. We did catch five, which was cool. They weren't anything to write home about. Uh, but they are biting and there is big fish in there because everybody was showing me pictures of big fish. So let's see what happens. Um, but uh, I think we may be safe. I'm not sure. The wind has died down quite a bit just in the past half hour or so. Uh, and uh, it's it looks like the sun's not out, but the definitely it's a lot brighter. It doesn't look gray and dingy like it has for almost the past day and a half. But uh, boom, let's check on our surroundings and make sure everything's okay. And uh, boom, we'll be right back. Strictly sailing kayaks. In Blue Ash, Ohio, they've been there since 1978. Like, where have you been? Hmm? 